0: I'm Jeanette Braverman, connector, entrepreneur, author, business professional, and yes, a public official. I've successfully pivoted multiple industries and along the way, I've met a lot of wonderful people. And now I've started a podcast called Keep the Conversation Going. Why? Because I have a lot to say, but most importantly, because I'm a continual learner and researcher. I love hearing from leaders that are also leaving legacies and making a difference in the lives of others. You see, that's my tribe, and I'd like you to meet them. I'll be interviewing leaders from around the world and just regular people that are also leaving a legacy. Please note that all of their opinions and beliefs are their own, but I guarantee that the conversations will be so interesting that you'll want to keep the conversation going. I look forward to hearing your feedback. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. This is Jeanette Braverman with Keep the Conversation Going. And I'm happy to kick off another episode of Docs Who Rock. I have with me today Dr. Nancy Stanford-Blair, who is Professor Emerita for the Doctoral Leadership Program at Cardinal Stritch University. I also have Dr. Mark Gessner with me. He is the Executive Director for the Hub for Innovation and Community-Engaged Learning for Cardinal Stritch University. Nancy has co-authored four other books, Connecting Leadership to the Brain, Leading with the Brain in Mind, Mindful Leadership and Leading Coherently, Reflections from Leaders Around the World, published by Sage. She has earned her bachelor's and master's degrees from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and her PhD from the University of Illinois. Nancy brings her message to life through creating the unbridled capacity in others to masterfully and fully serve their corner of the world. Mark holds an undergraduate degree from the State University of New York at Albany and graduate degrees from Harvard and Cardinal Stritch University. He brings his message to life by being an engaged local and global citizen who supports others in realizing their individual and collective aspirations, and to discover home wherever they roam. Mark and Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for having us.
1: Great to be here, Jeanette.
0: So we're gonna be talking about a wonderful book that they've written called Your Life Is Your Message. Subtopic, discovering the core of transformational leadership. They've interviewed several leaders across the globe, and the book is getting rave reviews. Now let's get into the book, Your Life is Your Message. Who came up with that title? That title is Borrowed from Mahatma Gandhi. Um, One of the
2: things that we've been fortunate enough to do through the Stritch Doctoral Program is take students on international trips to learn about leadership. And one such pilgrimage was to India. And we've actually gone several times. And um, Mark and I were able to go and actually co-lead Uh, this was after he became a doc that rocks, Um, (laughs) co-lead a program uh, to India on a Gandhi pilgrimage and it's an amazing experience just learning about the life of a human being that was so uh, coherent in his life's purpose and how he lived it out in everything that he did uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, socially, in community for his country and um, the story goes that a reporter uh, caught him getting off of a train barefoot, because that's the way he traveled a lot and stuck a microphone in his face and said, uh, Gandhiji, which is the affectionate term for him, what is your message? Meaning, what do you want to say to the public? And Gandhi apparently just said, my life is my message. Wow. And it's powerful, right? Powerful. It's powerful when you think about that. So, um, I think in leadership sometimes we look at people like Gandhi and we think so inspirational so amazing I could never be that or do that and the point of this book is yes you can everybody can that kind of internal coherence is available to everyone so the notion of your life is your message is a, a journey a challenging journey within the book to have people examine their ability to live the life they are meant to live and live it in a way that is clear to others what's important to them.
0: So what are some of the tools in the book for leaders that are out there that are interested in learning more?
2: Well, the book is full of exercises, and I think that's where Mark comes in, too, because Mark's an excellent writer. I learned that when I was helping him with his dissertation. Mm -hmm. But he's also a very creative thinker. So the book is not just a dry read. It's, it's uh, filled with stories and creative exercises to get people to think. So maybe you'd like to talk a little bit more about um, that.
1: I think it's also, if it's good to understand the path and the journey in the book that one goes through and the yes. exercise and how the exercises fit. So we talk a lot about this ascending spiral, really that in, in getting more alignment what's the progression that people go through. And in our interviews with with close to 100 leaders from around the world, there was these commonalities. And the most important thing was to start with who. Mm. Start with who you are, your values, and understanding, you know, what are those core aspects of yourself that make you who you are. And then as you go along that spiral and that journey is your mission or your why, right? So then Understanding your who first can help you understand your why and the path that you want to go on. And then from there, what is it you're trying to accomplish? What's the impact you'd like to have? And then how do you get there? So the pragmatic of, you know, this is wonderful, you've done that deep dive into who you are and why you, why have these things matter and what you're trying to achieve that impact, but you got to it it kind of really for for some they might struggle for those pragmatics you know pragmatists out there you really have to know how so we so part of the reason for the interviews also is that pragmatism so yeah Gandhi followed this path but some will say well I ain't no Gandhi you know (laughs) (laughs) like how else can you get there well we've the people we've talked to only weren't only the leaders of their nation, mm-hmm. they were leaders of their eco-lodge. They were leaders in their part of state government. They were they were also former CEOs. And I think some of those examples are helpful um, to understand. I mean, I, I think of um, I, I'll, I maybe I'll give one example of a, a leader that I think is very relatable on a local level, and then we can mm-hmm. talk about one of the more famous folks in the book. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of my my favorite stories is about um, a colleague uh, named Chris Kroll, who he had a vision of creating um, an eco lodge. So, we had visited Chris before anything was built on this beautiful land in Belize, mm-hmm. and we were camping on that land. And there's all these trees behind him, and he said. What do you think if I built a place here that used only local supplies that we would replant fourfold, mm-hmm. that would employ people from the local communities who currently don't always work together, and we would teach people about environmentalism, and we'd be off the grid, and this is what it would look like. I mean, mind you, behind him is some woods. Yeah, yeah, but he had vision, it like. And he had like. vision, and over time, um, he was able to create it. And not too long after, five, five years or so after, on the cover of National Geographic, Traveler magazine was that vision, what? which was an eco-lodge called Cotton Tree Lodge in Belize, which ran for over 10 years, which is quite a feat in that. But most importantly, why we talked to Chris is that he really knew his why, and he knew, figured out how to get there as well. So he had such a clear reason for doing this work but he also knew that he had the practical piece not everybody has all those pieces and it's a lot it's really tough to get to but Chris had such a strong and powerful vision that propelled a lot of the rest of the work
0: so which leads me to my next question what what was your selection process like how did you choose um, the people that you did to interview within your book
2: we um, both at our stretch program and personally, we define leadership as influence, Mm -hmm. uh, not as a title, not as a role. Chris is a good example. He had no title. He assumed a role of leading, um, in this particular instance, but it wasn't like he was executive director of the jungle or anything, (laughs) right? Right, right. So, um, influence can be for good or for ill, right? and influence can have a lot of impact or not so much so we the main criteria for all the leaders um, that we either interviewed together or separately was that these were people regardless of any kind of role that had amazing influence on other people on their industry on the planet Mm. um, so that they not only Uh, knew, like you said with Chris, he had vision, you noted that he had vision, they could see something that other people couldn't see but most importantly they could make it happen and in the making it happen they became better human beings as well as other people along with them. So that was the main criteria Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a nomination process Um, we had people nominate folks like that you know Mm -hmm. using that definition of leadership. We also came across people that we, we nominated and said that would make a good person to interview. And for the most part, anybody that we asked said yes.
0: And, I mean, you were basically using your network, right? Your extensive network as well? Yes, or for nominations. Or tapping into yeah. friends and in your network and, you know, like, because you have okay. some pretty, um, well, not only popular people, but you have some movers and shakers in there yeah
2: yeah there's a there's quite an extensive and this is only a partial list in the book of the leaders that we've interviewed Mm -hmm. Um, one of the ones that I wanted to give an example of um, is Helen Clark and she was the first elected female Prime Minister of New Zealand and um, she's such a great example of the model that we use in the book because she learned early on, she was a farm girl in the South Island of New Zealand, which has more sheep than people. And she was kind oh, okay. of a big, gawky farm girl, mm-hmm. but she was smart. And her dad said, Helen, you don't belong on this farm forever. You need to go to school and be whatever you can be. So he sent her to the big city, which was Auckland, a million people, big for New Zealand to a boarding school. Now, wh- what kind of people do you imagine go to the big city boarding school in New Zealand?
0: can't even imagine.
2: Well, they're usually the rich, the privileged kids. Mm-hmm. They're usually not big, gawky farm girls from the South Island, right? right. right? So when she got there, she was, it was difficult. Uh, it was a difficult transition. She was teased mercilessly about her dialect, about her size, about her mannerisms. And in that whole process, she developed her core values, and her core values have to do with treating people equitably, giving people opportunity, and um, fairness. She took those core values with her through her entire career in the government, and when I interviewed her when she was prime minister, those were the those were that was the foundation of her platform as being a prime minister being Prime Minister of New Zealand. And I don't know if you know this, but New Zealand has indigenous people called the Maori. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the few places in the world where indigenous people have been treated with respect, largely due to um, the campaign that she undertook as well to ensure that everybody has opportunity, equality, and fairness.
0: That's amazing. So she basically propagated her vision down all the way all the way she is
2: a she's an exemplar of your life is your message
0: oh I love it who else let's hear about more of these people in your book so they range right they
1: they range from CEOs of of Harley you know Harley Davidson and other large companies like Starbucks that you might have heard of Mm -hmm. to small community organizations so who's another um let's think
2: well, I'm going to tell uh-huh. the Harley story. Since sure. You. Can I tell the Harley yeah, sure. story? And then I'll tell the local one. That's great
0: because it's related to Milwaukee. It's, it's local. Sure. It's Milwaukee. Yeah, sure.
2: So um, Harley was a great success early on. And then they, um, during the um, late 1900s, sounds like a long time ago, doesn't mm-hmm, it? Um, mm-hmm. They got into trouble because of all the um, Japanese motorcycles giving them a run for their money. And their sales dropped dramatically. So at that time, Rich Tierlink was the CEO of Harley and, you know, he did what CEOs do and um, he pulled a lot of people in the boardroom and what should we do and what should we do and they were coming up with advertising campaigns and this and that. And he was listening to all this and he said, I am in this business because I love the freedom and joy that motorcycle riding gives people and everything I've heard has nothing to do with that core value of freedom and joyfulness so I'm not gonna listen to you people I'm gonna get on my bike and that's what he did he rode across the United States on his bike talking to Harley riders and said what is it about Harley that you love what is it about Harley that you love and uh, he took that information back turned the company around using And that so that's a good example of going back right back to the core values, not only your own, but in this case, in a business and realigning what the business was doing. It had fallen away from some of those core values.
0: So that one's near and dear to my heart. Are you a writer? I worked for Harley Davidson for 12 and a half years. Oh, all right. So I know that story very well. You know well. the story. So that's amazing. Yeah, and, and definitely. They, there were some movers and shakers back then that transformed Harley Davidson. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, the first day that I actually attended orientation, I wanted to go off and buy a bike. Yeah. I mean, a <laughs> lot of us did. Some of us did the yeah. very first day because that's how inspirational it was to just be an employee there. Yeah. So. Well, who doesn't
2: want freedom and joy, exactly. right?
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. But my husband just didn't let me buy the bike. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> so there's those that, you know, re- leading a company like Harley and, and this iconic company and, and s- inspires so many. And then others who inspire so deeply on a local level that they are sort of stars and luminaries for those who get to know them personally. And for me, another person we have in the book who I'm I'm inspired by, every time I talk to him, his name is Jamie Elder. And Jamie grew up in Milwaukee, um, and he saw poverty firsthand, and in that that life of struggle that he saw all around him, I think he had a sense that that was not the life he wanted to lead for the rest of his life. And one of the ways he first stepped out of that was by joining the military, and began to get a world view in the military and get a perspective of life back at home. And he also was an entrepreneur at heart and as in his entrepreneurism, he owned a small company, he tried different things and he struggled with how do you create sustainable wealth? How do you stop generational poverty? How do you help people that he grew up with change the dynamic and change the way they see their community and their futures? So Jamie took it upon himself really to to challenge the norms that he grew up with, and to figure out not just a way out, but a way to, I think, ultimately change the equation that he saw. And so over time, Jamie went to work, he's, I shouldn't make it sound over time, he's a young guy, (laughs) he's in his 30s, and inspiring and and, uh, soaring continually. But Jamie worked for state government, and then he worked for a national foundation, and now he's doing more uh, local community and economic development in Indiana, he grew up in Milwaukee. But along that journey, I think what the point Jamie makes uh, repeatedly is that to, to break the cycle, people need to be given the tools and the capacity to figure out how to change their equation. Not only see the models, but really understand how to do it. He often talks not about giving them a safety net, but a trampoline so that they can bounce back into and, and really empower themselves to make change in their communities. And so. The work that Jamie does, it's it's really catalytic. Mm -hmm. It empowers people who may not usually have that power to be entrepreneurial, be innovative, and then change their own situation and also contribute to society. He's very much a social entrepreneur and he cares deeply about the community at large and he's figured out, I think, a path of how to impact change and community and societal change, it's It's a complex and tricky thing. And Jamie, I think, also fits our model of having a real vision and then saying, I'm going to do something about it and here's a path forward. His deep core values um, about integrity and faith and um, really community honesty Mm -hmm. and his path of community change is is what he implements every day and he's finding different ways to do it, mostly entrepreneurism.
0: Loving this! I'm feeling like you two need to organize some sort of a huge conference for leaders and have all of yours, all of the speakers, and inside your book. That'd I mean, be fun. They're so very different. Keynote They're very yeah, different. Yeah, They could be your keynote speakers, well, right. just the, the
1: image, Jeanette. That's going to be fun. I yeah. mean, we should just putting the pictures of all of your person who runs uh, Sulab in India, um, mm-hmm. or working with on the streets of India, or working. Okay. Uh, yeah, one uh, of the CEO in the CEO suite. Yeah, they're really different from each other. Yeah. But they followed, I think, the, again, the powerful part and I think the accessible part mm-hmm. of this book is there's a ton of examples. There's the exercises and helps you write out your core values and write a mission statement and understand how to do that piece and also how to do different reflections and applications. Mm-hmm. But, but again and again, I think th- what, what empowers the model is the interviews of all these real lives of exactly, people so different you're, from you're each other. Exactly, you're giving
0: us examples, mm-hmm. and I think that's what helps the most because tools are one thing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. really understanding, um, you know, they lead by example, yeah. right? And so listening to their story really helps people apply um, what it is they're, they're reading. And so, um, so yeah. Back to this conference. No, <laughs> <laughs> love the idea. I'm <laughs> just thinking. Yeah, I mean, it would be an awesome thing to pull. You know, so many leaders together, but really, just to whether these guys are your keynotes or not, you two could be the keynotes. Um, but just you know, to help people understand this journey of self-reflection, because that's what it sounds like to me. It's you're teaching leaders to really reflect on who they are, you know, and their purpose. You know, and then how to implement that purpose. That's what it sounds, I mean, I'm just wrapping it all up in a nutshell. That's exactly
2: what it is. And I think I think it's wonderful to have people who inspire you. Um, and that's why we use so many inspiring examples. But I think the important, the nugget that's at the core of this book is finding your own internal inspiration. Because you can never live up to somebody else, nor would you want to. Because you're not them. You're your own unique, beautiful incredible human. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to figure out uh, the, the inquiry in this book for people is to rediscover who they really are and their own capability to become amazing mm-hmm. or even more amazing than they already are yes. and become extraordinary. So um, I think that's that's the beauty of the exercises in the book is that it really does take people on that internal journey to see themselves and see all that they can be so that they can come to the conference (laughs) and inspire others and they will because it's hard not to be inspired by someone who is living their life truly Mm -hmm. right and showing up with clarity about who they are and why they're here and what it is that they want to accomplish that's inspiring and unfortunately it's kind of rare because we all get so distracted we get tugged and pulled in so many different directions and so you know just taking the time this is not a book uh, it's a small book it's only 200 pages Mm -hmm. but it's not a book to tear through it's a book to uh, savor and think about and do the work within it
1: that's where the benefit comes Um, okay
0: so when are are the workshops happening
1: (laughs) well I you know, w- when you asked that before, I think half-joking about the conference, I mean, when we do present, and we've presented a lot in India and other, you know, this region and elsewhere, mm-hmm. with this as the theme. And Nancy, of course, has had a career built on this this theme. But I, I think it, it should also say it's not without challenge, mm-hmm. significant challenge. And it makes me think about a story, too, that's not in the book. Um, if mm-hmm. Just briefly tell you, when we were in India doing a presentation, and it was with um, – It it was within a college. college. It was a teacher's college. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about some of the steps and sort of an abbreviated part of the path that you go through. And one of the students, a young woman, got quite upset and agitated and to the point of tears Mm. and got up and walked out of the room. And we looked at each other. (laughs) And Nancy went after her. And I continued with the group but I think what happened to her, Nancy can elaborate on it, but mm-hmm. part of what happened was that she saw the struggle and the, and the misalignment that was for her, that she wasn't feeling totally fit. She wasn't fitting in her own skin. You know how you feel right. comfortable in your own skill and feeling really at home. Mm-hmm. Our last chapter is about discovering home and really feeling like you're, you have that alignment and, and have that internal power, but she was seeing how misaligned things were and how much of a struggle it was for her to live her life to the fullest which is really ultimately what we're trying to challenge people to do in this book. How do you live your life to the fullest? Drink life to the leaves is this great right. expansion, uh, mm-hmm. expression that we mm-hmm. I think we both enjoy a lot mm-hmm. and it's what we're trying to achieve but for her and Nancy maybe you can say more about what your sense of her her struggle was at that time.
2: Well and I think um, I think her struggle what is the struggle uh, she was literally having a breakdown because she was not where she was supposed to be doing what she was supposed to be doing. She was she was there because somebody else told her to be there. Mm. She was in a profession that somebody else sort of dictated for her. Mm. And, um, you know, that might work in the short run, but it's not sustainable. Right. And she was lucky. She was in her 20s, and it was, you know, I was encouraging her to, think through how lucky she was that she discovered it now, mm-hmm. you know, rather than mm-hmm. going 20 more years in a career she didn't like. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's hard. It's It's very hard when you have to face the reality of what life has dealt you mm-hmm. and then try to figure out how to deal with that. That's another common theme in all of the people we've interviewed. Mm-hmm. Their life was not without struggle. It's not like you wake up one day and know clearly who you are and what you want to do in life it's mm-hmm. a challenge and that's why we mark alluded to the spiral model it's an iterative process so I this is a lifelong you know the first time through the this co- these questioning questionings of why am I here and what am I doing are pretty wobbly yeah, and yeah. it in it, some people stop asking mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. some people get complacent and stop asking mm-hmm. but the, the people who really truly um, become their message. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's such a magnificent place to be. Right. Because of the I mean you can imagine, you know, when you have that kind of clarity, it makes it easier the to say no. The sky is the limit. The sky is the limit and it's so much easier to, to say, say no, no to the, to the stuff that, that is align. not that don't align mm-hmm. because you're clear. And and what I found is that when you when no comes out of that clarity, people respect you all the more. They do. You know because they see that that it wasn't even a reasonable request in the first place. And I believe that
0: there's a certain confidence in your no as well.
2: Well, it comes from your core, so it kind of speaks for itself, which is the whole point, right?
0: Exactly. So what are next steps for you two? Okay, is there a book tour lined up? Um, First of all, let us know, help us understand where we can buy the book. Um, And then if you're going to be in a book tour, if there's a book signing coming up here in Milwaukee, you know, help us understand the the next few steps for you two.
2: The book just became available um, this last month on Amazon, right?
1: It did. And it also is available with Sage, who's the publisher. Mm -hmm. And so those are the two main sites. We're also excited that we just just saw our first review on Goodreads Mm. and... It was pretty terrific. Really? Yeah, and so people people can find it there. (laughs) Well, we have to find whoever wrote that thing and (laughs) thank him or her. Thank them. But it was really, I think that person really got the point. Yeah. And so, so you can find it easily by by searching it either on Sage or Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, And
0: how much does it cost?
1: Well, the the price online is twenty dollars, but I think um, we can put on your podcast site. A discount Absolutely. for twenty percent, twenty percent um, through, sage. Front through Sage. Oh, that mm-hmm. would yeah. be amazing! And we also—I I mean, thanks for asking, Jeanette. You're terrific about asking about <laughs> the book tour. And we have both done presentations together and apart with different sorts of groups, and um, whether it's in business or school systems. And then, in terms of a book tour, we have talked about doing a tour in India mm-hmm. as a start, and we will. We will look to next steps and we'll follow your guidance, Jeanette Braverman. And
0: then so I'll also want to add your contact information um, to, I'll add it to my website. I'll add it to the podcast site. So if people are interested in contacting you, because I'm sure after this podcast, when they hear this, they're going to want to reach out and have you come speak at one of their amazing conferences or events, (laughs) because you two are docs who rock. (laughs) But before we close, I would love for both of you to share your final thoughts about the book, as well as any parting words that you would like to leave with our listeners.
1: Um, I think the important thing for me about the book is its accessibility. To me, it's accessible to that college student exploring, to that entrepreneur who's just starting out, to the seasoned leader in the C-suite to say, what are my core values? what's my mission, what am I trying to achieve, and how can I get there? And to really highlight that there's all these diverse people who came from all sorts of backgrounds, some from privilege, some from very far away from privilege, who found a way, who persevered and figured out how to take that journey. And obviously there's challenges and and breakdowns along the way, Mm -hmm. and it's really tough, but it's worth it that if you can find in our last chapter about discovering home, if you can get there, and it's, we talked to someone referred to the hero's journey, Nancy can talk about maybe, but it's, it's a long, it's a journey, but boy, if you can find that alignment, the power that we talked about before, that that could give you, I think that's my hope for the book, that Mm. people find how it makes sense for them, because like we write in the book, the most important story is your own.
0: That's powerful, thank you. Dr. Blair
2: Um, I'm very biased because um, leadership has been my life's work for a long time and I think um, this book is the culmination of a lot of thinking about this notion of influence that we have in our life and I think that the book makes clear and I hope that it's accessible enough as Mark says for people to realize that they have a choice Um, and choices are powerful so we can we can choose to go through our life chaotic in a chaotic um, incoherent happenstance kind of way Mm -hmm. or we can choose to be more purposeful and really work on the kind of positive influence that we have in the world. I think now more than ever our world needs people who are committed to living their life this way and if if i could wave a magic wand i would create a movement that invests everybody in this journey Mm. because i think our our planet and our grandkids and our great-grandkids would thank us
0: yeah beautiful Well, I'd like to thank Dr. Blair and Dr. Gessner for being on my show today. I truly enjoyed this conversation. And for those of you out there that were listening, please feel free to drop your comments on my website or even on the podcast site of your choice. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, And also, please remember to go out and buy their book, Your Life Is Your Message an amazing book with amazing interviews um, that I know you will truly enjoy. Goodbye.